0: Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at BelieveInOWL and at Believe.com. This week, we break down the May Melee Tournament,
1: the Dev Update, and have an inside scoop on Project Aloha.
0: Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to week four of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Uh, as ever, we are Matt and Kevin, and this was the week that the May Melee happened. So our first tournament of this year, and it seemed like it was very early to for this tournament to happen, but happen happened, it did. And this was a very intense weekend of Overwatch.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Like this becoming the first tournament of the season, it kind of sets the pace and sets, you know, everybody who loves their power rankings. Uh, oh, my God. The power you know, rankings. everybody's just going to lose their mind over who's, you know, who comes out on top and where certain players stand. So we're going to get into, you know, all the nitty gritty going into this.
0: Before we get into the the other stuff, housekeeping. Kevin, how have you been with gaming and things and such?
1: Uh, ga- gaming has been fine. Um, I set up an NDS emulator, so I actually I'm starting to play a couple of weird games, older games. Um, and yeah, I've been working on a on a little project. If you guys want to hear that, just uh let me know individually. It's not that big yet, uh, but I- I'm still working on a lot of things. Um, Pokemon Snap has been fun. I mean, I still play it on occasion. Haven't been doing it on stream, but uh yeah because i i don't really know how many people are going to be like wow you take really good photos of <laughs> not real animals and i'm like okay thanks uh <laughs> but yeah i i i've been enjoying pokemon snap quite a bit and i hope that we can uh we, we can maybe get some more weird games like that later down the line does
0: it hold up to your nostalgia goggles
1: oh yeah for sure like i'd and as long as I don't have to use an N64 controller, I think I'm fine. Uh,
0: I, never uh, ha- I never had an N64, Kevin. Tell me what it was like using that c- controller in that console. I, I feel never like- understood how they designed such a wonky thing and, and thought, you know what? Normal people with two hands, two functioning hands will be able to use this just fine.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know why they were like, you know what? Let's make a McDonald's logo and just slap some buttons on it. You know, that's exactly what... <laughs> That's exactly what it was let's put the joystick in the middle of it um yeah it really threw me off for like a long time uh trying to learn how all that works so um i feel like that should be a punishment for somebody <laughs> it's like if your kid misbehaves you have to, you make them play on the n64 controller <laughs> <laughs> it's just like yeah this is what you get buddy like <laughs> you know you didn't you didn't you didn't get a good grade on science. You have to now play Fortnite with a 64 controller deal with it. Like it'll, it it'll be interesting to see if you know you know how Nintendo's been like re-releasing like older consoles for nostalgia reasons. If they do that and give us a 64 controller that is compatible with like the PC, you know that some messed up parents are going to get that and make their kids play on it.
0: I remember I, I know people like will still sell them. I'll see them on occasion, like on the internet, like people are saying, hey, I still have my N64. Um and like a lot of people like really like the games from that era. Like I, I really want to go and play Ocarina of Time because everyone says it's like it's the definitive Zelda. And obviously that's also where um Super Smash Bros like originated. But like what was your favorite game of that console generation, Kevin? Um
1: so that. I never actually owned a sixty-four. I went over to somebody else's house and played all the time. Um, I didn't even have that, sadly.
0: Oh no, I had my cousins had one, but their TV was really bad, so like I just never bothered playing it.
1: Yeah, the one game that I played a lot, and I I guess this really just plays into the rest of you know the nostalgia factor. Not only Pokemon Snap, that was kind of something that I played um, a, a little bit here and there. The one that I played the most was um, Pokemon Stadium um that's kind of like a it's a pokemon draft like tournament style game so that one was a lot of fun and then um yeah smash bros like the, the original smash bros was fun um and the the first mario kart was kind of it was wonky as hell to play uh now because obviously like we're used to you know good graphics and being able to like see a ton of stuff but you know the 64 did did its best you know yeah, yeah. Let's get your half of the story. How, how was your week? How is
0: everything going? Everything is going fine. Um, I have not had time to play because just life is life is a lot of a lot of work to do, and I people are are behind and submitting things, and that backs me up, so I don't have time to play games. Um, but I am playing today Overwatch with the Zomniks, so I will get some play time um i just i want to try dead by daylight because my friends have told me about it and i like horror and i want to try to get jack davis on this show um so i want to know what i'm talking about when i ask him to to come on um but also i've just apparently we're not gonna get ps5s until 2022 according to sony uh they're not even if they said they ramp up production by a lot there's still going to be a shortage throughout the next year, throughout 2022. Um, although they are like, I think a lot of it is due to just the material shortage. So what they're considering doing is um, redoing the internal work of the PS5 to try to use more readily available materials. Um, they're keeping the outside the same. So it still looks like a Wi-Fi router, but I was going to wait to get resident evil uh, eight village until then, um, I'm re- I I really liked Resident Evil Seven. It scared the hell out of me. Like, just have you played it, Kevin? Have you seen it, Resident Evil Seven? I I've
1: seen people play Resident Evil Seven, and yes, it's spooky. I don't do good with horror games, but <laughs> I have a friend who like plays literally like when Resident Evils or you know any horror game kind of comes out, like she just hops on it immediately. So yeah, yeah, I've been watching. I've been watching a little bit of Village here and there, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big baby when it comes to those kinds of games. I'm doing my best to not
0: be spoiled by the internet for for Village. At this point, like now knowing that information that like I it's I'm not gonna get a PS5 until a very long time, um, and from what I've 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 heard the 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 graphics comparison isn't that different. Like PS4 still runs pretty well. Um, so I might just, I might pick that up, but apparently because Resident Evil seven was so scary, uh, the team is like, Oh, we can't, we can't make it that scary anymore. We have to, we have to, to nerf the, the terror aspect of it a little bit. Um, and so instead of, of creepy, uh, infected with fungus hillbillies, uh, we now have witches and nine foot tall mommy. (laughs) Yeah, uh i'm glad i wasn't the one who said it uh but
1: i i do understand that whole uh the whole thing of you know a tall lady i'm like the finally an art dude somebody who could finally dunk the basketball <laughs> uh i <laughs> I'm, like i remember discussing with a friend just as a joke and they're like i don't date guys who are over who are under six feet right and i'm like well i don't date girls who can't dunk so like, like I mean she's nine feet tall. she doesn't even have to jump just just, just toss her arm
0: up a little bit. yeah exactly well like game's over. How do you get nine feet tall I mean I, i'm I'm guessing the story will answer this and I don't want the answer right now but like also how how much does she eat? How much does she have to eat to sustain nine feet of human? true That's a lot like.
1: Yeah, <sighs> yeah. I I know that the internet has been getting pretty thirsty over it oh my too. God, so. so
0: even like even like when the trailer when the trailer happened, like an hour later, boom, we already had the rule thirty four. It's just like guys, it's been an hour. Calm <laughs> the down.
1: Internet, internet's really on it this year. I mean, we I mean we, we didn't can't go outside. Yeah, <laughs> we got we gotta spend our time somewhere. So yeah. You also, do, I've heard her,
0: her name is pronounced Lady Dimitrescu, not Lady Dimitrescu, which is how it's, it's spelled. So that was an well, interesting tidbit I learned.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting to see how you know communities kind of eat up certain certain aspects of a game. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs>
0: Oh, the fan are like there's already mods like i saw there's a thomas tank engine mod there's hey. a mod where you make chris redfield into a baby and you make the baby into chris redfield there's also already a porn mod so um i think there's also a lingerie mod already too like the modders are on it like it's been out for a week
1: we got a lot of time on our hands uh <laughs> and i'm not i'm not proud of them but i good I'm on impressed.
0: you i'm, I'm impressed, impressed.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not angry. I'm not disappointed. I'm. I'm impressed by the speed. I'm just a little. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say I'm a little disappointed in humanity. But you know, technology be weird.
0: <laughs> All right. So to move on to actual Overwatchy things, um, Kevin, you talked about power rankings earlier, and this is something that I've been noticing just throughout watching the broadcasts in the league like the they're really harping on this new watson power ranking thing um i don't i don't care about it like people have their own power rankings the power rankings for the watson thing like we we went over it before like in the what is it like on the top three power rankings like the four teams who made it to the main melee weren't even there so i don't trust these watson power rankings i think they're just looking at numbers and numbers don't tell you the whole story. And obviously the numbers didn't predict who would win the May melee. Um, But I feel like the casters are, are leaning too much into that. Like every single week and even like between matches in the same week, they'll change who they say, who the best in the world is like for the, for the first three weeks of this tournament, John was as they called him the best main tank in the league then as soon as the main melee starts, OGE is the best main tank in the league. Then later, like the next match, same casters, Sideshow and Bren, the Sideshow says, oh, Fearless is the best main tank in the league. It's like, it's it's hard for me to like trust you when you're not even consistent within yourself. Like is Lip the best somber in the league or is Dante the best somber in the league? Like you've harped on Dante and everyone knows Dante's great, but Dante's not in the main melee. So does that make him not the best in the league or 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 it's just i don't understand where the casters are saying who the best in the league is and and where they're getting these numbers or if they're just hyping up whoever's playing at a certain time because it's so it's like why do i care what you're talking about why do i care about your power rankings when they're they're inconsistent even within like an hour difference of time
1: yeah, just the uh, the the funniest thing I think that we have to uh, we we have to point out is not only the inconsistency, but also like it, it's Watson. It's a computer, bro. Like, what what does a computer know about human
0: quirks? It knows and how to play chess. It
1: it knows how to play chess, and it knows how to answer questions on Jeopardy because it's got Google in it. All right, like <laughs> we, don't, we all we all got to cheat. All right, um. But, yeah, I, I just don't see why a lot of these casters lean into this so much. Um, And obviously, like, if you're going to be consistent, just say, like, y- you could say one of the best. Yeah. Like, one, like if you just say, oh, they're one of the best tanks in the league. And uh, that's true. I mean, to be on the team, you have to be one of the best in the game, right? Yeah. They're, they're, people are going to hire people who aren't consistent, you know? So it it's important to to worry about your wording um especially when you're a caster but at the same time like i do understand like they, they want to get the game hyped they want to have certain players feel hyped um but at the same time like stick to your guns like stay like stay stay by your call um if you're gonna say like somebody is the best in in the league um you want to stand by that comment uh yeah and you know even, even if they lose, you still say, like, yeah, they're still one of the most consistent. Like, what makes them the best
0: in the it's, league? It, you know? it might not even be their fault that they lost. They're still, like, they can still be the best in the league and then have, like, their teammates make mistakes or maybe they just weren't on their game that one day. Exactly. Like, like definitely saying one of the best definitely solves that consistency issue because it, it on one hand, it allows you to hype them up, But also it leaves that wiggle room for you to say that they're not the best, but they like, I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Um, But also like, I feel like the reason why they're hyping up Watson is because they're probably paid to do it. Like the league probably paid so much money to have this, this partnership with IBM and analyze all these stats and like all the ads in between God, the ads for overwatch league are so bad um the, the ones that they do in between the matches but they, they have all these ads like like something like four something million data points that they're analyzing at any certain point of time but like it's not really telling the story about how we're watching the league um and then also i remembered another instance where like outlaws versus the the fuel like go into this match saying like Jonggu is probably still the best in the league. Like Fearless is good, but Jonggu still is is rocking everybody's socks off. Fearless gets one shatter off, and then I forgot who was casting, but like, oh look, Fearless is the best in the league. You got one shatter off. Like, you got one shatter on a Jonggu who's consistently been like running circles around other main tanks in the league. Like one one shatter does not make you better. Um, I will not, and that's not doubting that fearless is amazing. Fearless is really good but if fearless is the best in the league, stick with fearless. If jongu is the best stick with jongu If OGE is the best, cause OGE was the number one main tank, according to Watson, like stick with him. Maybe his team just didn't make it that far in the tournament. That doesn't mean he's not the best in the league anymore. It's just, he had a rough tournament.
1: Yeah. Sometimes you just got to stick to your guns and answer, answer the way how you want it to be done. You know, Um, and yeah, once again, I, I do feel like it is, it's tough to make those calls and stick by it, but at the same time, like
0: that, that's your, uh, that's your game, man. So anyway, the main melee happened. It was the top four teams. There were six matches total in the bracket, including the losers bracket. Um, the winners for first place, you get three points added to your total, um, and you get a hundred thousand dollars. Second place gets two points and $70,000. Third place gets one point and $35,000. And I believe fourth place, I didn't write it down, but I believe they got $20,000 as well. Um, Before the actual matches got underway, they had some like fun little um, side matches. There was the sideshow versus Yaki 1v1 with Afara. The winner got, and the winners of these matches got $10,000. So Um, The winner got $10,000 for that. Sideshow needed five kills. Yaki needed 15. Um, Yaki won 15 to one, even playing with his feet. Like he, at one point he's like, I think Sideshow like dared him to play with his feet and he tried it, but it was just weird to do. So he stopped. And like the only time that Sideshow actually got the kill off was when Yaki just barraged just for the sake of barraging. Um, That was fun. And then Alarma and Jonak did a Zen 1v1. First to seven, winner gets $10,000. Jonak won at seven to three, which was... It was fun to watch them smack talk each other with Danny translating. So the four teams that we we had playing in this tournament, of course, were the Shanghai Dragons, the Florida Mayhem, the Dallas Fuel, and the Chengdu Hunters. Um, I know, Kevin, last week you were pulling... You really did pull for the Dallas Fuel to win, and they did. So... How do you feel like this tournament went overall? When I was
1: looking at some of the setups, I was like, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of really good talent out here. Like, we, we think that, you know, the one thing that I was really afraid of was the shuffle. Like, this is something that happens in Dota all the time, but, like, in Overwatch, there hasn't been, like, a roster shuffle or shakeup as big as this last off-season. So... It's really interesting to see how all these teams are, you know, switching up as well as getting used to each other and uh, making their way out here. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how all of this uh, plays out.
0: So I'm just going to go over the results for this just really quickly. So day one and on the beginning of this, you had the Shanghai Dragons take three to two over the Florida Mayhem. The Dallas Fuel took three one over the Hunters. So that puts the Mayhem and the Hunters in the losers bracket. The Florida Mayhem beat the Hunters 3-1, to so the Hunters are out. Um, so in the winners bracket still, we have the Dallas Fuel and the Shanghai Dragons. The Dallas Fuel took that 3-2 to over the Dragons. Um, the Shanghai Dragons dropped down to the losers bracket and 3-0 the Florida Mayhem. So not nearly as close as it was in their first meetup. And then the Shanghai Dragons and the Dallas Fuel meet up again for the finals, and the Dallas Fuel take it four to two. This was a lot so many like map sixes in in this because like, there, there were ties, and I feel like I don't know if it's it's useful to go over like every single game. I think it might be better just to analyze how the teams played overall. Um but I feel like the Fuel and the Dragons, at least through this, proved that in this tournament they are a match for each other, and it really could have gone either way. I think it came down to, um I'll get into it later, but I think it came down to like different play style and then just the mistakes that each of these teams made. Um, I think in the beginning, the Mayhem were really strong. They really did test the dragons because again it was it was up to a map six uh i feel like the florida as florida mayhem as a team they're good they're getting better but they don't have the experience i think playing as a top team is like the dragons do so they when you watch them they're less polished than the dragons they throw away a lot more ults and stuff but like bqb and yaki are still really good and then when they face the dragons again it was just it, it, they they just get dominated by fleta and lip i just they they i think maybe they might have been intimidated by going up against the dragons again and so they just kind of fell apart but i feel like as a team florida is good they just need more time in the cooker and and like need to be pressured more by higher tier teams so that they can have that experience
1: yeah i i, I do agree as well like it does come down to um just pure experience like some teams just need more experience or more time to cook together um because right now it feels like you know there's a lot of really good pieces on the mayhem right Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of solid pieces it's just a matter of them you know marinating together and becoming something that is cohesive like i i mean i just (laughs) want i just watched the video uh from domics where he asks like is it weird to eat a sandwich like this? And uh, but one of them was ramen. Like he brought up like you could have all the elements of ramen, but what makes ramen ramen is the fact that they all got together and they work.
0: Right?
1: Uh-huh. Um, and like mayhem right now, it's like having quality pieces. It's just a matter of getting them all to work together and under a certain amount of pressure. And I think that they're gonna get that over the course of the year. I, I do think that you know, the Mayhem have a solid lineup. It's just a matter of them getting it to work together. Um, I feel like, once again, the same thing could be said for the San Francisco Shock. Like, they have a lot of good pieces, um, but because they're kind of new with each other, they have to get used to the way how they all work together. Um, and also, you know, the fact that they're experimenting with, with uh, Violet doing weird things. So, um, it is going to be a bit of time before some of these teams start, like, figuring out everything once everything starts clicking. But I do feel like once we start getting into those later tournaments, a lot of these teams that now have good pieces will start to become consistent because of the way how they're, like, clicking.
0: Right. And so for the, the next losing team, we did have the, the Chengdu Hunters going up against the Fuel. Um I feel like the Chengdu Hunters are... I don't I'm their their, their play style starting to grow on me. Like I don't hate them as much as I used to. I, I hate the Valiant more than I hate them now. Um, But I feel like as a team, like they show that they, when they do play seriously and they stop being Chung that, they, they have the mechanical talent and teamwork to, to make it to a top four slot. Um, but I don't think that there is practiced playing normal comps yet. Like we, we still know Chung do like they still fall into Chung do zone. It's still a thing that like the casters will call them out for. Like, why did you run this comp? It doesn't make any sense. You're, you're going Chung do zone again. Um, So I think that's something that they do struggle with. Um, And it, it, when you're running up against teams like the Dallas fuel, who are a lot more polished running more, Established in synergistic compositions, um, that's where you have a problem. The one time that the the hunters did get a win against the the fuel was on Blizzard World, where I mean I feel like their their composition was synergistic, but just weird enough for it to work. They were running a Hanzo, a May, an Arisa, a Sigma, a Baptiste, and a Mercy. So you have the long-range ability and you also have the close range damage from the hanzo and the may you had a lot of really good shielding for arisa and sigma and then baptiste and mercy you have the res you have the immortality field so it's like very survivable so this this isn't maybe a um conventional composition but i think that it it does work um and so it's weird enough but also synergistic enough for the fuel not to know how to respond to it again the fuel are running with out a, like a dedicated DPS. So there are limited things where that they can run. Um, and the, the fuel just don't know how to work against this one. They keep changing their hero compositions. Like Sparkle pulls out the Genji, but doesn't it get any use out of He gets killed almost immediately. Um, and so, so this entire match, like the fuel are just swapping off heroes, not getting any value. And they're not able to build up their alts like the hunters are. That puts them at a huge disadvantage, and then when the hunters are able to stop them from getting a single tick, then when it's their turn to attack, they just bully in there, build up ults, dump them all out, and then they win. Um, aside from that, like the they, they they gave they that woke them up a little bit, and then on Gibraltar they forced a second round of attacks. But um, outside of of Jimmy pressuring them on Gibraltar. I still think like the fuel just are such a stronger team. They, they, they obviously they won it all, but I think the hunters themselves aren't, they're still falling into like their weird old ways. They're not used to playing. Like I said, they've been saying this entire time. They're not used to playing normal compositions. Um, I didn't watch the losers knockout because I don't feel like I needed to, but I mean, it was, it was a three to one. So still a relatively dominant win by the Florida Mayhem, which I I think are a better team.
1: Yeah, the Hunters tend to just run weird things on occasion. It seems to be something that kind of made the personality of the Chengdu Hunters. Like, they'll play something weird, but if it works, it it gains a lot of attention. If not, then, you know, it just kind of falls by the wayside and nobody really cares. Um, But... I, I give them props for making it here. You know, they, they at least like found the balance on occasion where they can run something that works in their best favor that a lot of teams just aren't ready for. Um, and having that pocket strat, which I feel like that's the thing that it needs to be is, is a pocket strat, um, is to just have like a bunch of weird lineups that still work and just throw off your opponent that way. Right.
0: Right. One thing that um, the casters were talking about a lot is how, um, and they mentioned this with both teams, but what a strength in this team really is, is their, like as much as I've, I've been bashing on Chengdu's zone, but like their ability to pull out those strange compositions and, and their variety of ideas on what to play. So like the Dallas Fuel don't have that hit scan, so they're forced to stick to certain heroes and to certain compositions because they don't have someone who's really dedicated on playing long-range hitscan, so they're not really used to playing the McCree or the Widowmaker or the Ash, whereas with Chengdu, they just have their preferred weird strategy. So why do you think that it works for Dallas and it doesn't work for the Hunters?
1: Uh, I think at that point, it just becomes like the the people you have there. I mean, mm-hmm. when you have a solid lineup, like what the Dallas Fuel was able to pick up over the offseason, um, even doing something weird feels better to them because they are confident in their own play. Um, it's not just confidence, but also like being able to back it up as a team. Um, if Chengdu wants to get to that point, I don't know if they have to pick up more players or pick up certain players, um, or if you know they just have to really hone in on what they want to do in that weird pocket strat. Um, but I do feel like it is... Like, it's something that only certain teams can pull off because they're comfortable with each other, or they're comfortable enough with each other to make it work.
0: Uh huh. And so we, ha- what we have left are the fuel facing the dragons twice, and the fuel did win both times. The first time, like I said, they won three to two. The second time, they won four to two. Um, and so it was a- definitely a lot closer the first time they meet up. Um, and just watching both of these matches, um, I think like you demonstrate, it demonstrates like a clear difference between the play styles of these teams. Like the way that the fuel like to play they're they're very dive heavy. They're very rush heavy. They like to take the aggressive push into it. And they like when they can, you, especially when they can utilize fearless, I feel like this team is really built around fearless with also like a lot of help from sparkle. Um, but when you look at the dragons, I feel like the dragons are more, they're a team that likes slower play. Like they really like to, to whittle out time. They like to stay in contest for as long as possible. They like it. Like they really shine when they can get an, a really early pick, especially using lip, get a really early pick off on the tracer. Like if you watch the fine, the finale, um, lip really saves them a lot of the time that's when they can get the most value because that's they're used to like long engagements. They don't like just bullying through, although they can. Um, that's what I noticed about the way that these two teams really play.
1: That's honestly the best way of like putting it. There's two different schools here. Um, and I, I, I don't want to. Well, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to put on my Dota hat again. This is something that happens in, in that game as well. In, um, when you have teams that are coming from like the US and um, Korea, they tend to have this mentality of take space aggressively and make sure that they can't have it, right? Uh, you eat their backline really quickly, you eat their supports really quickly. Uh, if they can't get a foot down, like they're never gonna be set. They're never gonna be ready. Um, and that's something that was beat into my head as a as a coach, and I try to beat into my co- into my uh, players' heads as well. It's like any any form of space you can take, if as long as you can take it safely, you should be good. Um, meanwhile, like Chinese teams and teams that I knew I played against that had like uh, Chinese coaches, they appreciate more of the hold your ground and make them come to us first and if we win that fight then we take the space like get the advantage first then take the space versus getting like taking the fight to them and take it quick um but yeah some some teams like to play it slower i know that the the dragons like to do that a lot where they'll they'll wait um for a pick first before they start so that they always start the fight with a 5v6 um versus other teams that will be like it's a six v six, but if we go two v one in the back line, we essentially make it a five v six. So it depends on the mentality of of the players, you know.
0: Right, right. Also, I do feel like the dragons also. It's weird because like the fuel used to make a lot of mistakes, and they used to have like even going into the season they were not the most polished. But and I think the dragons played better, and they have more history with success but like watching them play against the fuel like they were just going at each other and the, the dragons were i feel like losing their edge a little bit where they made a lot of really bad mistakes like if you look on dorado i think it was on the first time that they they matched up against each other or yeah the in the the semi-final round mm-hmm. um on dorado like fled has been doing amazing on his echo of, he's like Scott, um but during during the crucial moments when he needs to pick someone to duplicate he's usually been duplicating the winston and getting a lot of good value out of that but i feel like during during this fight he or not this fight during this this matchup during their attack he he duplicates the healers twice um doesn't get a lot of value out of the break but still manages to get the uh the rally off but still they lose that fight and then the second time he does it like the very last fight when they really need to to pull out a stall here to try to keep this cart moving he duplicates the Ana and is immediately taken out of it like I don't think he has time to get off like one two shots he's immediately taken out of the the duplicate so he can't even build up an ultra or anything so it, it's it's it mistakes like that that um that really cost them when they're they're playing for such high stakes and such a a high level. But the the one thing that I, I did really want to ask you about, Kevin, is again the 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 biggest narrative and question about the fuel was you don't have a long range dedicated hit scan. How are you going to be able to compete against the other teams? And yet without it, they were still able to win the main melee tournament. Like, how did that happen? They came in under equipped, but came out on top
1: yeah it becomes just like not only will and perseverance but also just like the belief that you can like do weird things and try to get away with it um learning from your mistakes too i feel like um when they were going into their second match they kind of knew what they wanted to do and as we like move on into the later match when we do see the finals match um, I felt like when the Dragons and the Fuel met up again, uh, the Fuel took a lot of notes from from the first match. They're like, okay, yeah, we messed, we messed up a couple plays here. Uh, just be a little bit more focused on this certain thing. And they really locked it down coming into the second one. So the first one was kind of like a, we're going to gauge the waters. Even if we win it, we win it. If we don't, like take note and we, we, learn, we learn from that match. I mean... They played what? They played six maps on that one, right? Even in the first meetup. Um, so definitely pushing it in the second meetup as well uh, made it even harder for them.
0: So overall, do you do you think that the Project Aloha was a success?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that that was just a really smart play by them. Um, you know, having not only for the the assistance half of it, but also, I, I guess the give take relationship that they had um, going into it. Because if you're at Manoa, if you go to the school, right, you're getting Overwatch mm-hmm. League experience, which means that you're having, you know, you have esports experience. Mm-hmm. You could put that on a resume. Um, and for the Overwatch League, they get a great location. Something that you that's very difficult to buy is location and space. So with them being able to say, "Okay, we want it in the middle between both, you know, Asia and the US and having a center ground where, you know, it it relieves travel for both teams and it makes it easier. There's no home court advantage or anything on Hawaii. It's more of just like everybody is everybody's home. It's like it's a good vacation spot. So it's really cool to see that they lock that down. They said this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to lock it down. This is how we want it to play. And uh, yeah, they, they made it work. So um, I thought Project Aloha was a was a great success. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else they have uh, later down the line, especially, um, you know, keeping the same workflow and making sure that everything works.
0: And also like the the one or two times that they had technical difficulties, it wasn't from the, the Hawaii end. It was the... Uh, the, the casters at home end where the technical issues arose. So stunning success technologically, it allowed the um, it allowed the the western and the eastern side of the Overwatch League to, to actually meet before the finals because that was a big complaint we had last year and how when there was the the tournaments for the May melees, like it was still separated by region. We didn't really get to see who was dominant overall. Right? So now that now we actually do get to find that. We get definitive answers each season, which is a lot more fun. We
1: didn't get the intermingling of regions. Um, and even if we did, the ping difference was insane. So uh-huh. I'm glad that we, we finally have something that gives a middle ground and makes it easier for everyone.
0: One thing that I did miss, Kevin, that you brought up hoping to see last week was like, we didn't get the B-roll shots of Hawaii. What we got was like, Hawaiian music during the intermissions, which made me very sad. I would have liked to have seen like what it's like for the players to be in Hawaii and like what they're doing when they're not playing, or just like what the surroundings are. Because like one, everybody wants to see Hawaii, and two, like we want to, especially when we can't go physically to Hawaii, we want to see what it's like to be in a tropical paradise.
1: Exactly, like just just give us some B roll. It makes it easier for us to. Enjoy the scenery that they're having as well. So um yeah, we just have to make it fun.
0: So the June joust is coming up. We we don't have any games this upcoming weekend because they're taking an off week. Week five is is, is a dead week. I think maybe they might need it to like quarantine and decontaminate, possibly. Yeah, so week nine is going to be the beginning, is going to be the actual June joust weeks um six seven and eight are going to be the three lead-up weeks of that and again this is going to be where we start to see the uh, hero bands again i'm not sure if it's just going to if it's going to be a week-to-week thing or this is going to be an entire tournament ban um but that's definitely going to change up how how the teams play um so like kevin like again talking style wise like even within this like the when the fuel were running dive and like say the hunters were running dive. They they ran it two entirely different ways. Like everything was mostly the like same except for their their main tank. Like the fuel would run a Winston and the um the hunters would run the ball preferred to do it. And like I think a lot of the Eastern teams prefer the ball and the western teams like the Winston. So say like say we have these matchups again like mostly the same uh teams running up in the June joust except the Winston's band. How is that going to, do you think, affect who wins?
1: I do feel like it will determine who wins. Because like not being able to play a certain hero really does affect the way how a team is able to play around it. Um, I hope that it's week to week again. Um, because that would make it it would make it easier, but at the same time, it if it is like a full like this whole month you can't play this one hero. Um, I feel like some players might even decide to be like or even some coaching staff might just say like, hey we can't play X, y or z a certain player on this role. let's do something weird let's try to figure out how to break the system right now um, or you know you might see some different compositions depending on what is necessary because I remember that first week when we saw um, I think it was like, the the first like hero bands that we had where it was like uh Tracer McCree, uh they banned like Arissa or something like that, and then um I think it was I think it was Anna as well. But when you have something like that, it just left like May Reaper open with Reinhardt right, and they just start running that. Um the the funny thing, and I think the most ironic thing about the hero band is when you ban a hero, it actually forces teams to run a less creative comp because you're taking away their first option, right? So we might be seeing some weird compositions, but it might become the same in uniform over the course of the week.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think I went over over it in the news section, what I would like to see banned is considering that if this is a a tournament-long ban, but Kevin, who would you want to see Banned in the June Joust. If you had your your druthers, and if it's not like a fun animal pick, like Nori again,
1: (laughs) yeah. Well, just let the let the animals. They they know exactly who to ban. Uh, May. Uh, no. Um, I I I honestly don't want to see May, but that's a personal pick. But I do think Sombra is gonna get hit. I feel like Sombra is gonna Uh be one of those like we saw a lot of it. Um, so just in terms of like pick rate, it might get hit um i would say the same thing goes for winston um the dive uh the dive and rush comps that really utilize that to its fullest advantage might be seeing that as well so that's something to look at um and then yeah supports wise i feel like it we've been kind of spread so i i don't really have a number one pick who i want to see go but um you know we could leave that up to We could leave that up to the Overwatch League people. But honestly, I feel like over the course of the entire like hero band thing, it kind of just puts teams into a into a certain roster or a certain lineup, even though they're trying to force them to not do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I do agree. I feel like this is big brain like Kevin coming out here. Um, If we get more heroes, right? Do you think that we'll ever see a pick ban phase coming out from Overwatch itself? Um, allowing, like, you know, each team to do like to lock a certain character in and then ban a certain hero out. You know, um, it may be hero like it might be role restricted, so like each team gets uh two DPS, one DPS to lock in. Uh, same thing for one one tank each and then like one support each do you think that would ever work
0: we're gonna need a lot more heroes i think before we get there i think we're gonna need to wait a little bit after overwatch 2 comes out i think i think we have enough dps players i think we need a little bit more variety on the tank and the healer stuff before we can do that um but I think DPS is at a level where we can, where, where it would be fine to ban them already. Um, maybe a couple of years after Overwatch Two comes out, if the league is still going strong, and they they release a healthy number of heroes, um, I think that'll be, I think that'd be fine, where it's not like just blanket ban for everybody. So more on the topic of June Joust. So we got the May skin for the May Melee. What do you think? If they do do a promo skin for June. Um, what do you think it would be Kevin considering it is the June joust?
1: Uh That's actually, that's a tough one. I would I, I don't I don't know. I I would like to see a Reinhardt knight more with instead of a instead of a instead of a hammer maybe a you know a, a, a lance. That mm. might be interesting. Um I don't know what other heroes use a lance. Uh, that would be cool, but I, I mean, mercy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, make Mercy's uh seduceus staff into a uh into an actual spear, um, and then make her melee like a literal like stab. That that might that might help, but I I don't know. Um, I thought the MMA skin was really interesting. It was uh, I I would say it was uh, it was fun. T- like a fun concept, I I wonder what honestly what else they can do for the June Joust here.
0: I'm thinking. I'm looking at some of the predictions some people have. Some of them make no sense whatsoever. Like Anna and Baptiste. Like one of the reasons why someone said Anna might do it is because you could remodel her her rifle into something that looks like a lance. But like it doesn't make sense for Anna. I would think. Ryan or Brag, just because they're like the knight and squire characters, or also Arisa because she's the only horsey character in the game.
1: Would it would it be hilarious if they they do Arisa and then they give her like you know how like there's the animal costumes like the, uh, the yes. Halloween costumes where it's yes. like people riding on a I love horse where this is going right you do the opposite where it's Arisa with an inflatable guy on her back. <laughs> right. So it's it's still the June Joust, but it it's a reverse. It's a reverse horse Halloween
0: costume. Take all of my Overwatch League tokens, please. That sounds so good. I think
1: that'd be hilarious.
0: That's that's my that's my vote right now. I want an Arisa with like an inflatable dude on her back. And like whenever she moves, he kind of like wobbles around like he's inflated.
1: Yeah, the, the question becomes like, does that mess with hitbox? And I hope it doesn't, but like it would be funny if like it's got one HP and you hit it and like deflates. Like it, it's mainly cosmetic. Uh but it would be really interesting.
0: Are there any changes to the the tournament format? that you think we could improve everything for the June joust? Or do you think that they've nailed it for right now?
1: I think for what we have right now, I think it's it's solid. We don't have a lot of time right now. You know, like we don't have Mm -hmm. a lot of games leading up to this. So there's really not a lot that we can go off of. So I feel like the other half of it becomes like just getting teams to play against each other a lot more is going to be really important. Yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like that's what needs to come down the line. Like it's it's good that we have all of this going and it's working well, but I I feel like we won't get a full grasp of it until we start seeing a lot more teams face off against each other. Um, but that's only in due time, right? Like we, we still have a lot of tournaments, so we'll see how it goes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I don't think there's anything that they really can improve. I would just like I would again, I'd like to see how the players are reacting to being in Hawaii because I would like to see Hawaii and just see the B-roll of all that. But aside from that, I think everything was was pretty fine. I I don't like the first to seventh thing just cuz it's so long and it's it's hard to stay focused for that last match, but I understand how you want to like make that match special and make it like a definitive win as opposed to just the other matches leading up to it. But I think the overwatch league did a really good job of maximizing um, their opportunities here. So good job on them. Um, Anything else about like the, the league that you wanted to touch on Kevin
1: uh, I I do agree that I feel like some of the uh some of the games felt like it took a while. Like, I I understand that they want to make sure that the games are thorough, but at the same time, like, if there is a way to keep everything kind of going a solid amount, that w- that would be nice. But at the same time, it's it, it's all good.
0: Yeah, just remove anything that could end up being tied. Just remove two CP completely, please. Yes, yeah,
1: yes, please. Uh, that that's what uh. Please. that's what jeff wants can we just can we just put in push mode in the meantime can we just can we just expedite that please that'd be
0: great. honestly yeah just like we we only need the one map for push mode we don't need multiple maps for it just and it's and it's a tiebreaker match anyway so it like doesn't even really matter that much just just give us that take out tcp please thank you <laughs> um you want to introduce what our, our third episode of the week is going to be, Kevin, if they haven't watched the uh, or listened to the news episode yet?
1: So, yeah, if you guys haven't heard the news episode, uh, we do have a special guest, We're um, on Artie's OP and the production director from Project Aloha. So they're going to be able to give us kind of an inside scoop of what's going on behind the scenes uh, for the main melee that they just had, but also... Uh, for future events that the Overwatch is going to be putting together, um, I know Artie's. He's my uh, he's my right hand man when it comes to casting and commentating. So um, we could also answer any commentating questions at that point as well. Um, it's just something that you know I felt comfortable approaching him. He was really excited when he got the news that his school was going to be the one to to get the Overwatch League um, Overwatch League's approval and everything. And he was like kanashi i have something to tell you so bad he was like <laughs> he was shaking he was like dude i could i can't tell you anything for nine days and i'm like if i find something i'm allowed to ask you right because that means it's out there ish right and he's like yes and so when i found i found the article on project aloha i'm like okay <laughs> he's in hawaii something's something's up and so i asked him about it and he's like Man, I'll just tell you, he like, <laughs> I literally said project Aloha question mark. And then he just like spilt everything. And he's like, there's not tell anybody till Monday. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I was like, I was ready. I was like, I, I know that he's very excited for this. I'm ready to see what he has to, to offer. And um, he, he's a great dude. So uh, we're, we're going to definitely dive into it um, once we get him on
0: awesome guys thanks for joining us this week hope you enjoyed watching the main melee we're gonna be back at you next week with a news episode again break from actual overwatch league coverage um but yeah please tune into that and support us as well thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week adios
1: Next week, we get back into the regular season schedule and bring you more gaming and Overwatch news.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show,